Hello you lovely, lovely people. Welcome to episode 20 of the BJJ Strength Podcast. Today I'm very happy to bring to you uh, a Mr. Pete O'Neill and he's someone who's a full-time Jiu-Jitsu competitor training out of Atos HQ. He's a brown belt, has recently picked up some you know, notable, uh, notable, brown, um, notable gold medals at brown belt tournaments. Um, you know, the Long Beach Open, the New York Open, San Antonio Open. So he's a real up-and-coming competitor. And this has been the first time I've interviewed someone who is, you know, trained full-time jiu-jitsu at the, one of the, you know, the very, very top teams, right? Everyone knows who Atos is and everyone knows, you know, like someone like Josh Hinger who's come out of Atos in the last couple of years. Obviously, the head of Atos is Andre Galvao. Uh, Keno Cornelius fights for Atos, etc., etc. Right? It's a real powerhouse of a team. So I was very, very excited to get Pete uh, on the on the phone today and you know speak to him about his thoughts about training jiu-jitsu some very interesting perspectives around how he used to train how he's adjusted his training over time to be less actually less intense and a lot smarter in terms of how he trains some really good insights in terms of how he you know studies his jiu-jitsu after he's trained to then take it into his next training sessions and you're really learning from someone here who's you know, who is training day in day out with you know literally you know some of the best grapplers in the world so very very insightful what i will say unfortunately i run into a whole host of technical difficulties recording with pete today so you know the audio isn't brilliant it does cut in and out we had to stop recording and i've tried my best we stopped recording a couple of times i had to switch phones I've tried my best to kind of slice it together in a nice clean show, but it is going to jump in one or two places. So, you know, apologies to Pete for that happening, buddy. I appreciate your patience um, in putting up with the technical difficulties. Um, we were getting into some really good flows with your insights into training and then also some of the other stuff that you do in terms of, you know, helping people with life coaching and dating and stuff. Um, so hopefully that's going to be, you know, something for a future episode. Pete and I got on the phone after after the we done the recording, and you know what we're going to be doing is arranging a time that I can get down to San Diego with him, actually train with the guys at Atos, which I'm I'm slightly nervous about because I've heard it's a, it's a baptism of fire, but something that you know yeah, I live in Southern California, right? I've got to do it. That will be that will be a blast. But then obviously uh, after that as well, hopefully do in person show with with Pete because I think he's got a lot more to say a very interesting character so listen to the show guys um, I appreciate you know the, the quality is not going to be uh, brilliant I've done my best but I didn't want to lose this content I wanted you to get wanted you to get some of the valuable lessons that Pete has to offer so with that guys um yeah let's get into it you're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and Physical Optimization Specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Um... Okay, guys, so welcome to the BJJ Friends podcast, and I'm very excited to have uh, Mr. Pete O'Neill on the show today. Uh, Pete is, 
he's training full time out of Atos HQ. He's brown uh, belt and competing in the adult division, um, which is no joke. Uh, he's recently won the Long Beach Open, um, New York Fall Open, San Antonio Open, all IBJJF tournaments. Um, he won gold at the Europeans back in 2016. Um, his weight class silver in the absolute. Um, so, you know, when you're training out of Atos HQ, um, there's, there's only one thing that's going to happen, right? When you're training full-time out of that place. It's, it's, it's produced some great athletes. So, uh, really excited to have Pete, uh, you know, Pete on. I think he's you know, definitely a name that you're going to hear in the future. He's got a lot of other stuff going on outside Jiu-Jitsu that we may or may not get into. We'll, we'll see how, how it goes. Pete, why don't you say hello? What's up, guys? It's a pleasure being here. On this beautiful Friday morning, or not not even morning, it's like during the day. But uh, just like you said, when you want to be a lion, you got to surround yourself with lions. And that's what training with at Altos HQ is all about, right? You're putting yourself into positions where you don't want to be put in. That it's going to make many people feel uncomfortable. But that that is where the growth comes. And growth only comes through the struggle. Is that so? When when did you when did you start training at Atos? It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It happens, man. It happens. So yeah, we were. I'll, I'll I'll cut that bit out. So we were. I was just um besides the technical difficulties. Um, you know, we're saying hi to Pete, and you were talking about. You know, training out of your comfort zone, right? And one, you know, one of the things that you know, training with lions, um, and you you were making some, making some statements about. How you get how 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 you get stronger, right? So maybe we just we pick off back there. Yeah, uh, basically, like I feel that what happens is that a lot of people they're like the big dogs at other gyms, right, all over the world. They're like the their main guys. They're like they're like they're the top on the totem pole, and they think that they have this ego thing about them where it's like, man, I'm I'm really good. Now I'm gonna go to this gym where like everyone's good and like I'm gonna like beat up on all these guys. So then I see, I see it happen all the time. People come from all over the world and they want to say that they want to train hard, but when they get here, they start to like realize how far they have to go to, cause to, because they see like the, like the, 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 like the big dogs and then all of a sudden it makes them feel daunted. And then they're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So it, it's not for everybody, right? Like getting beaten, getting exploited getting tapped left and right, getting your guard passed. It's not, it's not fun. And I feel like when you, when you're learning to do that and you're taking it every single day and you have a strong mindset, it's going to produce nothing but good results. And in competition, it's going to be like competition is going to be funner than in training because training, you're going to be training with like Lucas Barbosa, like <laughs> rank number one, and no gi in the world, you know? Yeah. Like so, any any other guy when I don't face Lucas, it's like, man, heck yeah, I'm having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Other people like that, right? Um, I cause I remember we were talking before we got on, right? We both obviously you train with Josh Hinger, and I I've got to know Josh Hinger over the last couple of years. And the first time I met him was he was doing a seminar in Menifee, which is about an hour and a half north of San Diego. And then I was I was visiting my my mother in law, uh, my mother in law, right for Christmas. I met him. We trained. He did a seminar. He just literally just got his black belt a week before, and I was like a two-star brown belt. We were about, you know, obviously he was a black and I was a brown, but similar level, right, in terms of the belt perspective. Uh, but he just yeah. cle he just cleaned through me, and it was like... <laughs> he did I, a I, you. 
uh, I don't think he geared to me. That he showed <laughs> he showed a move that's kind of um, a variation of doing the omoplata from the top when you step over the head. I forget the name of it. Oh, the monoplata. monoplata. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and he, he showed it and then did it to me like four times, even not even though I knew it was coming. Um, <laughs> it, it was cool. But um, so, what was it when you when you first got there? You first tr- started training at Atos. Was it like a rude awakening when you first started training there? Um, actually. I, I actually went to, so basically I went from Texas and I ended up winning like, like, man, this, this goes back a, a while ago, right? I was a white belt and this was when all the Abu Dhabi tournaments, they would give you a ticket. Like if you would win the tournament, yeah. they would give you a prize ticket to go to Abu Dhabi. Right. Yep. So like I was just starting out jujitsu in Texas and I won, I ended up winning the absolute ticket to go to Abu Dhabi as a white belt. And that was the last time ever whatever happened that they would give like some type of like prize ticket to a white belt. It's funny. Yeah. I was the no. last one. Yeah. And I ended up getting the ticket and I ended up going to Abu Dhabi. And when I, when I got there, it really like opened up my eyes because all the people that I would always look on YouTube, on the internet, on just anywhere, right? Like you're just a BJJ nerd. You're looking at all these guys. They were all in one hotel. We all yeah. stayed in the same hotel. Yeah. It was called officer's club at the time. And inside inside there like when there was a cafeteria i'm just over here like you can eat like a five-star buffet like breakfast lunch and dinner and i'm over here like looking at like lucas lepri uh looking at like uh hodolfo i'm looking at all these guys and i'm like wow like it's mostly like brazilians and it's not too many americans not too many people that speak english and i I didn't it was very foreign to me and i saw this team that was like all americans and that's where i met JT Torres and like Keenan and Sajara and Perry, all these guys that were DJ, they were yeah. all like, they were all there. And I kind of wanted to surround myself with people like that actually I could talk to, you know, not just like mm-hmm. not be there. And that's where I kind of was just hanging around. I, that's where I met Edwin as a blue belt. That's where yep. I met, met all these guys. And yep. from there I ended up going to Lloyd Irvin's for a little bit. So that was a huge, that was a huge thing when I went to Lloyd's because yep. for the first actual time, it was where actually like I never experienced like what really hard training was, what actually other people like 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 minded individuals like me wanted to do. And because like where I was from, I was from a small town in Texas that like it was just more like people are just doing it just like as part of like just like their exercise, you know, instead of running, they're just what, like training. Yeah. What, what, like so that. when you were in Texas, what did the training look like when you were in Texas? You know, like. I started off with this purple belt guy, actually. He was, he was a very nice guy. I mean, he, now he's a black belt, obviously. But it was just basically uh, this, this like, 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 it was like a MMA gym. Yeah. And, like, during the, like, the off hours, that, there was this guy that would be training uh, people in jiu-jitsu. And that's how I kind of got to know, like, a little bit more about that stuff. And we, we started doing no-key. Yep. That's how I started to do I started to uh, train no-key at first. Mm-hmm. And like when I started to put the gi on, I hated the gi mm-hmm. because I, it was like when I was playing on, like when I was trying to pass or anything like that, I felt like I was getting quicksand. Like they were grabbing my, they were grabbing my lapels and all that. And I felt like I just didn't know about the whole game of like grip fighting in itself. Yep. And that's the whole thing when I went to Lloyd's and stuff like that, like it was a, it just completely changed my mindset. And from there, you know, things got a little rough right there. Uh, Good thing I went there because I really, like I said, it opened up my eyes. And then I went to Autos. And once I went to Autos, it was like Keenan, me, JT, Jordan Schultz, Mike Perez. 
You all uh, left at the same time. Other guys, we all kind of left at the same time. Yep. We ended up going to Atos, and then it's like, uh, I think Atos at the time only had like, obviously Professor Galval, right? Andre Galval. Mm-hmm. It had uh, Michael Lear Jr. and yep. it had like uh, some other guys like Nassar and Carbolito. With the Mendez, were, like, with, with the Mendez brothers part of Atos at that point. Uh, when I got there, the Mendez brothers. Where like before before we got there, mm-hmm. they were training. They, they were living in like Costa Mesa, I believe. Yeah. They were just like taking the train every single day to go to San Diego and train like at oh, well. like Galval and everybody like that. But once we got there, they were already like starting their own gym and stuff like that. So we wouldn't really train with the Mendes Bros. Not until like maybe like Pans or something like that. We would like drive up there in a little bit. So that that was really awesome too. Like seeing Hoffa and Galerami and seeing their school and seeing all these other guys. So it's like Atos like like. Once all the people went there, it like it made Atos this like huge like super team. It was like this mm-hmm. like team on just like like just like steroids. Not not saying everyone, not saying people take steroids, but it's just like a fucking so mean. strong. You know what yeah. I mean? I love that's for, yeah. I was gonna. I love going to uh, going to the Mondials every year. Right now that I live here, I just go every year. I'm you know I unfortunately. Uh, the Mondials, the Worlds. Oh, okay, okay, Worlds. So yeah, to go yeah, to watch, and I love seeing the teams, and I love seeing how Atos has the big team there, and everywhere. It's it's cool, man. It's cool. Yeah, it's really yeah. Cool. So yeah, and from from there, it like from there, like with like everybody there, it yeah. made all the other people from all over the world like want to go in, into there. And now that's why like all these other guys just are at Atos now, and it's just like every like there's so many people from like everywhere that just train at Atos and. It's like the people that are training autos, they don't even live here. It's just everyone's from different countries, a different place, you know? They just fly in. They fly in. So yeah. is, it, is it quite common then? I, I, I believe that with like maybe Gracie Baja, they probably stick with Gracie Baja schools. But for maybe some of the other schools in Brazil that are not Atos schools, is it very common for those guys to use Atos as a hub, as a training hub? Do you get a lot of people coming in from other, from from Brazil and stuff as well? Or yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like all the yep. guys from Brazil. Like there was like three new guys from like Leandro Lowe's gym that just came here. Yeah, Batista, Rafael, Rafael, and Luisa Montero. All these guys, they like, they just want to, they just want to come here because they know that this is the place to be. Like especially in the gi training. Like this is the, this is like the, what do you call it? It's like, you know, whenever you like want to build like a, if you're ever playing like a video game or anything like that and you're trying yeah. to build like an all-star team, this is like what it is. <laughs> yeah. So it comes down to, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would say, I would say the all-star team for Noki is at, uh, in the East Coast uh, with Henzo, with uh, John Danher and all the uh, death DDS guys, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, for the Nogi stuff, those guys are those guys are legit, and we'll we'll have to talk about Gordon Ryan a little bit, um, for sure. For sure. But I was gonna. So, so it sounds as though you started off with a pretty typical jujitsu experience to start off with. You train at you know a, a mixed MMA slash jujitsu school, ca- you know casual training um, for some people, not a professional jujitsu academy, and then you go into train at Lloyd Irvin's, which probably at the time was one of the most, it, it's tough to say professional, right? Because it's jujitsu, we don't get paid as athletes, but in terms of the organization, probably one of the most well-organized teams. And then yeah. you go into Atos, which is a, it's, it's about as close to a professional jujitsu yeah. team as you can get. But let's, let, let's do this though. Let's do this really quick. Let's cut off like the money, right? Let's cut the money. Who gets paid? Who, who, let's cut the sponsors. Let's cut everything. And let's just cut mm-hmm. into like the hard work, the the like all the people that are like that because like if you take a person that does jujitsu and a person who does like 
let's say like in the NFL, right? Yep. The only different thing that separates it is the money, yep. right? And like the fans and like the like the viewing, right? Because the person is dedicated. He's willing. He's he's grinding every single day. He's training. He's studying. He's drilling. He's eating right. He's living that lifestyle. He's doing everything that he can. Uh, he's working out. Like go to the next level. So in a way, that I I believe professional, but that's the only reason I say that. But everything else is just the same. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's the um, money, right? And I would I would argue that I, we you know think we we're talking about the the gi season coming up, but for jujitsu, there's almost. It's not a real season, right? The, the training is almost nonstop. And I, I have to encourage people a lot, of the, a lot of the time that, you know, you've, you've got to train hard and you've got to work hard, but then you've got to take times off of the year. But, if you, but sometimes you've got to force yourself to do that. And I, you know, I've known people who've been professional rugby players and um, I'm really interested to hear a lot about what the training is like at Atos because I get the impression that the, not to say that these other guys are not dedicated, but the level of training that goes into some of the top level jiu-jitsu fighters is, it's almost mind-boggling how much, how much training and how much work people put into it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's something that it's not for everybody, that's for sure. I've seen, I've seen many people come and say they want to like do this, they want to yeah. achieve this and when it, when it gets like, everyone's always like, oh man, you're so lucky that you train here and stuff like that. Or people say that to like everyone, right? That they yeah. that, 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 like live here and they're training here. But then it's like, you say that, but then those days that you don't want to train or those days that you don't want to push yourself, you're not really going to be doing that. Like, it's just like, it's just like, there's, they're saying that until it gets tough, right? Yeah. And, um. So what does what does a typical week look like in terms of the number of jujitsu sessions, the kind of sessions, and then any strength and conditioning? I'd love to, because I'm I'm really fascinated of you know what does what does it what's it like to train jujitsu full time you know in a top level school you know? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of years ago, the, the classes I would train at like the seven a.m. class. I would train at nine a.m. class. I would train the competition class, and then I would. Uh, and in between, like at four o'clock, like maybe three thirty to four, I would go and work out to like five forty, and then six o'clock I would train, and I would do that for a long time. But what I realized was, I realized that my body was just getting destroyed. It was just yeah. completely getting destroyed, and I wasn't like I was improving, but I wasn't really improving like I am now. Now I kind of I don't train as much like that anymore because I think I think of it more like. Uh, quality over quantity now right yeah. okay and it's it's very strategized the way i do it now because like if just like you said right the season this like jujitsu has no off season right yeah so like the whole secret of all this is to not get hurt right mm -hmm. and if you're gonna overtrain you're gonna have a higher percent higher percentage in getting hurt and i never thought i was gonna get hurt i was always like man i played football i played football college football for I'll 12 years years yeah i've been training jiu-jitsu hard as fuck uh i have never gotten hurt and then next thing you know i freaking broke my leg for my cl tore my meniscus yeah and that took that took a lot that, that that took a whole year to come back and get into the competition and when i was like in my room in those days where i was like very sad feeling helpless feeling destroyed feeling like mm. you know like that was the only thing that i love that god took away from me i was just like really angry i 
I thought I thought about it really hard, and I was like, man, when I come back, I have to be smarter in, into into training instead of instead of just overtraining like everyone and like actually like train smart. So going back to your question, I used to train every single day, right? Now I do it to where I train Monday, Wednesday, Friday, twice a day, and then Tuesday and Thursday. I like to for those days to be like a drilling session with a lifting session. Okay. And then my, and then uh and then the other days I drill as well and then Saturday I'll drill and lift and then Sunday I'll either lift or I'll rest. And I'm and then and then when I'm not doing that it's like um I love this quote it's like the true test of a man is what he does when no one is watching. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I love that. And yeah, and I feel like it's not just about training hard because anyone can train hard, right? It's about like thinking hard. It's about energy, find the people that you're going to fight, knowing their game, studying their game, studying your own game, analyzing, analyzing, having a, having a set plan because a plan without planning is planning to fail. So you must be able to have the right planning into your, into your going. And then the most, one of the best mm. tips that I can give to anyone is, uh, when you're training to try to remember all the roles that you weren't able to execute or because every single time you have a role, right? You have like a strategy, you have your A game, you have your B game. You're going to go into like going in, you're going to go in and try to like sweep the guy or try to import a game and they're going to give you a different kind of reaction that, my work right there, say that, like, I'll give you a minute. Let's, let's say that I have a perfect entry to, like, spider single leg X. Yep. I get right into the position where I get the X card and I'm about to come up. But he does, he, he gives me a t- different type of reaction where he maybe backsteps because I wasn't grabbing uh, the. Are okay. you okay? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Apologies, I cut off, right? Um, because what, you, what you're saying is, is, is this is gold dust. This is, this is going to be so valuable for people. Um, yeah. So, so basically going back, right? Going back is I used to train really hard and I used to, I used to train as much as I could, right? Every session I would train. And because I, I was training every session, I was really tired in every session and I wasn't able to attack. I was being very passive with my guard. Yeah. I was just kind of letting the guy just try to attack me the whole time. And I would have a really good guard retention where like my, I was just in my own head. I was like, Oh, my guard is impassable. No one can pass. Yeah. Like I'm winning. But then in the tournament, I would translate that into a tournament and I would do the same thing, like just be passive. And I was like, man, I can't be doing that because you can only fight the way you train. Yeah. So I made it into where every session that I would go into, I would really try to just be aggressive. My style would become more impetuous. My, uh, uh, I would remember all my roles and then I would write down my role right after class. Right. I would put it on my notes. I would transfer all my notes into my journal. And then from there, I would drill the different kind of reactions mm. that I would get into training. So therefore, I was training with a purpose because I feel a lot of people are not training with a purpose. They're just training and saying, oh, I'm going to train really hard and I'm just going to go and You're leaving it. They go into their 6 p.m. class. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. You go to 6 p.m. class, you go there and you're like, okay, I did a couple of rounds. Now time to go home. They don't think about it. They, they just neglect it. And then they go the next day and they're training again. But think of it like this. Think of it as every single time that you go, you're like, you're really, it's like, like I said, it becomes a strategy because mm-hmm. you're planning out, you're planning of what you're doing. You're, you're having an algorithm in your own game. 
you're drilling with a purpose. So therefore, when you're going into competition, mm. you already have a set of systematic uh, way yeah. of going into it. So when someone gives you with a reaction, it's pretty easy to, even let's say that you lose, you're going to be always learning. Therefore, you're always winning in a way, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where like competition is. It's very important to compete as much as you can because the more that you compete, the more that you're getting feedback. And the more feedback that you get, the more progression you're making towards your jiu-jitsu. That's simple. So you, you talked about, you know, this, is, this is all part of what you said, planning and studying, right? So making going away, studying your, your, your opponents maybe. How much, how much time do you think you spend a day roughly, right, on this kind of analysis and studying of jiu-jitsu and studying of your game? Um, I, I would say, I mean, so some days are more than others, right? Some days are, like, the, the days that I don't train are the days that, I'm, that I, I probably spend more time doing it. The weekends, yeah. I spend more time doing it. Usually around the weekdays, especially if you're training twice a day, it's hard to just really be thinking about that. That's why you have to write it all down because yeah. once you write, because you can't trust your memory. That's the <laughs> thing. I would try to trust my memory all the time. And then when I would be like, oh, what happened in that, in that second role when this happened? And I was like, man, I forgot what happened. But that's why I feel like anyone that's listening, even if you go into a competition, after every competition, after every match, you write down like every little thing that you know that what you got to do. Therefore, you're always improving, right? That's why, for example, like Gordon Ryan, that's why he's able to like kill everybody because he did that in Noki. He did that while everybody, like right now is 2019. The geese season is coming, right? It's underway. All the geese guys we're all going to be training hard for, for the geese season, for all the upcoming tournaments, for all the major, for all the major comps. And you have all the other guys that are like, that they're just no specialists. Completely different to geese competitions. And they're going to just be in, in being like, they're training just no geese only and, and doing it with a purpose. Just like all Dan, year round. like Dan, all year round. He has like this philosophy of like jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, God, Gordon Ryan, right? I was there, I was at the Nogi Worlds, and I was at the Nogi Worlds, and he didn't he didn't just win the gold, the, the double gold. He won it comfortably, right? He submitted fifty percent of the people. Um, he he beat he beat people. Are you still you still there, Pete? I was going to say about Gordon Ryan, right? He didn't just win the Nogi Worlds. He comfortably beat people. And, you know, he submitted 50% of his opponents. He was beating people who were former world champions by, you know... Yeah, I think... I'll edit some of that stuff out and we can pick off, I suppose, where we were, where we were talking. You were explaining to me um, about, you know, your training schedule. You know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is twice a day. Um, yeah. Where it sounds like you do the harder training sessions. Then on Tuesday, Thursday, you do a lighter drilling session Bro, with then also some, also some also some lifting in in you know, throwing into the day, and then maybe some drilling and lifting over 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 the weekend. But then we were also talking a lot about um, you know how much time you put into actually planning and studying and writing notes down. Um, do you ever do you ever record uh, video video record your um your sessions? I love you. My training sessions? Yeah. Man, I used to do that all the time. That was like a big thing that I used to do is I used to bring my GoPro 
to autos every single day and i would record all my sessions uh -huh. and it would be the best thing in the world because i would right after training session i would go home i would eat i would shower and then i would go right into my room put the eight put the drive on my computer upload it on my computer watch the computer put it on my journal write all the mistakes go into six o'clock training and then and then uh advance from there and execute right but uh you know wasn't able to record anymore because of some certain rules that they have and now i have to trust okay. my mind now right and like at first i was kind of yeah. like kind of sad about it but you can't you can't just moan your whole life and just cry and make make uh, excuses right you have to uh, improvise adapt and overcome so that's where i started to uh really think about my roles more like i like i tell you you know yeah uh, do, do you think that i suppose if you think if you go through the process of thinking about your roles and mentally processing it do you think that helps maybe more than watching the video because you have to process it in your head yeah I, I i believe that i believe that like you can really see it in your head like you can like visualize all those things because like that's what's really gotten me to the point where i'm at now is everything that i have like ever done like where i was able to move here where i was able to train full-time I, I like really like visualized it in my head i believe i'm a very big uh, firm believer of the law of attraction and i believe in like uh working out moves in your head and doing it to the people that you're not able to do it and you like really like feeling it that you're doing it that you're coming up for a single you're like attacking them your your style is being yeah. more aggressive and from there the, the mind can't process whether it's in your imagination or if it's in reality and i think that's a big one right there that a lot of people don't understand and they just say oh we gotta just train hard you got the pohada bro you know <laughs> you gotta <laughs> that's the common meathead mentality and uh so, i'm here to i'm here i'm a firm believer in and saying hey man i didn't start when i was seven years old i started when i was 20 years old i'm 27 years old now now and you know am i going to complain about my age or of the people that have been training like 15 to 20 years no i'm gonna just i'm gonna be able to just make it my own way i believe that everyone has their own way to success but this is my way of getting my jiu-jitsu 10x and yeah. I, i'm a i'm a very uh, firm believer in that yeah yeah um I'm guessing, right, it sounds like you're pretty ambitious and one of the things you're visualizing is kind of, you know, world titles along the way as well. That's where you kind of, that's where you see yourself in the future. Yeah, that's that's where I see myself. I see myself a uh, black belt, middleweight world champion, black belt world champion. Uh, and that's all, that, that's the goal. That's what drives me every day. Those times that you're not, that those times that you don't want to train, you, you know, it's so easy to train like when you're not tired, when 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 you're just doing it for fun right anyone can do that and just be like yeah man i trained jiu-jitsu yeah. so fun but like if like those days maybe you didn't get a good night's sleep or something you're like gonna force yourself to go Th those are the days that are hardened but you have to always realize like your purpose your why you have to set an intention and from there that's like the constantly that's one of the things that i constantly do to like remote re-motivate myself and just keep going when those yeah, so when, um, well, before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, overtraining versus just pushing pushing out your comfort zones. Um, and you had a really good quote from McGregor's uh, coach. I'd like you to repeat that soon. 
but I was going to ask you, do you, um, obviously there's times you've got to push yourself through those mental barriers when you don't feel like it, but are there also times where you've learned to recognize, okay, maybe I'm overtraining here, I'm still going to train, but I'm going to train in a different way. Is that, is that kind of a balancing act between the two? Or do you try to just push through regardless? Yeah, I, I think I think of it like if you realize that you have some type of like pain in your like in your like some actual like you're like you have like an injury, right? And and like for, for right now, like I have like this kind of like I have this like ongoing process of like like this thing in my rib where like kind of like it hurts, right? It hurts if I turn it certain ways. And I know that if I like train with bigger guys right now, it's not good for that, right? So I'm kind of training smarter, yep. right? And I'm like picking my, my partners. I'm training with like maybe guys a little bit smaller in weight classes and uh, guys that are not going to like really hurt me right now because like the main focus, like I said, is to be healthy the whole year. And once yep. I like once I feel like I don't have anything, that's where like I, I train really hard and I train with all the guys and things like that. And you I, like – only you know your only like you know your body and like how much you can push right and like everyone is different so i can only speak for myself when it comes to that but i would have to say that you must like listen to your body in those type of those type of ways because before i didn't listen to my body i was just thinking like oh i can just do whatever and then boom snap there goes my leg right yeah the acl yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, like so Conor what, McGregor's Conor McGregor's coach. Uh, I mean, it was a big one that he said. He was. He said something like, "You must update the software without damaging the hardware." And that that one really yeah. hit home for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's, it's, it's a real true. smart way to do it. I think a G, GSP's GSP's coach, um, oh, Faraz. Yeah, Faraz. I forget. I forget. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, Faraz. Faraz. He's other sim. Yeah, he had a similar approach as well, right? Um, so you're so you're at the start of the gi season. Um, you know, unfortunately, you can't make it to the Europeans, but obviously you've got Pan Ams coming up, etc. You know, right through to kind of the, to the to the worlds in the worlds in June. Do you do you plan any kind of breaks in that period, or is it pretty much going to be you know flat out from now through till uh, through till the summer? Um. So. I, I think of it like this, right? I used to, um, I'll give you a little example. So, mm -hmm. <clears throat> so basically one of my other things that I do really good outside of jujitsu is I'm actually like a, like I actually help guys like with their dating life. I help yeah. them like get girls and stuff because, um, for a long time, uh, I had this, I used to live with this guy that was like going to write a book on like how to like, how to like, how to pick up women and stuff like that, right? So I bring this example in my jujitsu is the same thing. Like, I think a lot of guys when they're going and like trying to talk to like any girl, they're always trying to wait and talk to like the hottest girl, right? And in a way, let's say that you go to like any social gathering and they're like, they're waiting for the perfect opportunity to like, to strike. And they're like waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally, when they see like this girl that they really like, that, that like really is like breathtaking, they go and talk to her and then they like start to stutter. They start to like not go for it. They start to hesitate and hesitation kills anything that you do. Right. So like, that's what I'm, so going back to jujitsu, it's the same way. I like to compete as much as I can because a small tournament and a big tournament, there's no difference. 
the only difference is just the reactions and that's that's why i like to uh compete as much as i can maybe maybe towards worlds i'll take like a two or three week break so i can just visualize more into the worlds but as far as my yeah. technique is always improving with more feedback that i'm getting instead of just saying oh i'm just going to wait for these major tournaments yeah good yeah it, it, you can't you can't replace my time right you, you can't replace my time um but do then you do you then plan a kind of a break after the worlds? Would you plan a little bit of time off, or is it straight back into training for the Norgi season? Um, so one thing that I did this year that that I'd never done was like when I got hurt and I and I came back, all the guys that I was I was better than or or we were like neck to neck. When I when when I came back, they were all like they all improved after a whole year, you know, and yeah. It's like it's like it completely kills the momentum. Say like you're going into a gi season, right? And you're training super hard, and you're like doing all the major comps, and then you do worlds, and then right after worlds, you have this huge momentum on your side of of training in the gi and understanding it. That all of a sudden you're gonna just take a break and then go into noki, and it's like ah, like I wanted to just continue doing the gi and just keep training in the gi. So I actually didn't really participate much in no gi this this year and i just continued doing the gi because like i said my main okay. focus is black belt gi world champion right and yeah. i was able to for these past couple of months that's where i felt like i was able to have my like i was able to improve the the fastest that i've ever improved in my life because i actually did all that i i trained with a purpose i drilled with a purpose and then i competed with a purpose and i was just training all 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 around that in itself and now we're here and i feel like very confident in uh any person that i'm gonna that i'm gonna face this year how many how many competitions do you think you'll have between now and the world uh i can't really uh tell you exact amount of competitions that i will have to worlds but i could tell you that pretty much every ibjjf that i can think of i'm gonna go and the UAE tournaments okay. I will go to, and every other every yeah. other small one too, super fights, whatever you know. So we'll see. So most most weekends, most weekends you'll probably be competing. Yeah, yeah, probably like every other weekend, or maybe back to back to back, or it's it'll just depend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's intense, man. But That's here's intense. the thing. Like I, here's the thing, though, right? Just like I, we were talking about earlier. That's why I feel that in the upcoming years, the guys who are going to be champions in like gi and no gi, it's going to be like a separate identity in itself, right? You're going to have guys like Gordon Ryan who are just no gi specialists. They're training no gi all around. They're doing all the no gi tournaments. They're drilling all the no gi tournaments. They're starting all the no gi tournaments and they're just putting in more time there. So, like in the future, it's going to be. No gi champs are going to be on the left. Gi champs are going to be on the right. And I, I really believe in that. Like, even the guys like, um, uh, like other guys too, because like guys that do wrestling, for example, when they're like little kids and they've been wrestling for a long time, let's say that you started wrestling maybe like when you were like a, like a freshman in high school and you go from ninth grade to 12th grade, four years into wrestling. And then you translate yourself to uh, jujitsu. You're already going to understand it way more than in a person who's just started from scratch. 
and he's going to have that advantage in like more even than Noki and he's going to have disadvantages of being on his back. So he's like, that's why it's going to be another like kind of type of style. Like John Danher says that like the future of Noki is going to be good, good guys that have really good wrestling and guys that have good leg locks in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So do you, so you think people are, you think it's going to pay off to specialize then in one or the other, you pick the gear, you pick the Nogi. And if you focus on that first and foremost, rather than trying to do both, yeah, I, I, I really, I truly believe that. That's like, yeah. I mean, you see it in, you, I mean, the, the proof is in the pudding, man. Look at Gordon Ryan. He did it in like, what, six years, seven years? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he beat Roberto Cyborg, who's been training over 20 years, man. Yeah, but Snowy. <laughs> you got someone in the background. Yeah, I have That's a friend. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. You can no, That's but, cool. Yeah, That's but, cool. but it, Exactly, it's no gi, but I mean, is is Gordon going to compete in the gi? I don't think so. You know, he he already said he wasn't going to compete in no gi. He said he's going to do MMA and MMA and the gi. It doesn't really make sense. Like if you're like a specializing in spider guard and uh, worm guard, and you're gonna you're like making it like so good in like two years, how is that going to translate into MMA? Really, you know, you're gonna get punched yeah. in the face. <laughs> It's a different story, right? Yeah, if yeah. he if he is smart, if he you know, personally, right? You know, he doesn't need my he doesn't need my advice. But if he's smart and he wants to do MMA, that makes sense. As a fan, I would love to see him fight in the gi. It'd be cool to oh, watch. Me too, bro. You, but, Trust but, me. Yeah. Me too. But what you but what you're saying makes sense. I would love to see him fight Buchecha, Nogi. That'll be uh, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think that would be uh that would be awesome too. Like, it's like, everybody's like, for all the people that like do no gi, like everybody wants to see that for sure. And they yeah. even want to see another Philly Pena rematch too. But I mean, what happened? What happened? No gi worlds, man. You didn't see Felipe fighting. You didn't see a lot of people fighting Gordon. Actually, you actually saw people like actually being scared of him. And, uh, I think well, that's, that's a whole, that, that's, that's, Cyborg just, didn't engage with him. Yeah, exactly. What was Cyborg? Or barely, doing? Or barely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's going to be the future of uh, jiu-jitsu. You're going to have some guys, of course, that excel in both. But uh-huh. it's going to be it's going to be like a like an exception. Those guys are going to be the exception. Those guys are going to be the years that have already the guys have been like training forever, been training for twenty years or more, been training since they were little kids. I can just like yeah. uh, dabble into both and just learn the heel hook game and stuff. But when it comes to rules. They're, they're completely different. One, you can reap. The other, you can't reap. When it comes into reaping, it's a, it changes the game. It changes into heel hooks when you're in 50-50. It changes into grips. It changes into yeah. uh, guards where you guards don't exist in Nogi, really. Like, yeah, like, most like, people. Most people what? I was going to say, most people have not been exposed to the heel hooks in any great level of detail across most schools. And then as soon as you encounter them for the first time, it it, it, it can fuck you up yeah. very quickly. For sure. For sure. Do, um, do, you see, do you see there being, so we're talking about the future of the sport and there being a split between gi and no gi. Do you see there being a future of jiu-jitsu being, becoming more of a professional sport, there being more money in it for the athletes than there is today? Or is it hard without it being a great spectator sport? What do you think? 
I think that unless jujitsu goes into the Olympics, that it's gonna it's gonna always gonna be where it's at. It's gonna definitely yeah. be something where it's gonna be constantly growing because more people, more celebrities, Joe Rogan, all these other type of like male figures or women figures, they they talk about jujitsu and people listen to it and then they want they're interested in it and they want to do it, right? But as far as as far as like. Like making like money compared to like the NFL and NBA? No, I don't believe that. I don't think so. But no. I feel that that's why it's like so beautiful at the same time because the people that do it, they do it based off their passion. They do it off of like what they love. And with that being said, it's gonna they're gonna have more tournaments that have more money and stuff in 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 like uh, prize uh, prize uh, tournaments and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's very few people that are making a lot of money, right? And when they, and it, it is typically not from competition. They're making money from from teaching, from doing seminars, from releasing video series, right? That's how they make the money. It's not, you know, it's not from the competitions. I mean, some some people make, like like my friend Kainan, man. Like it's only there's a small percentage of the people in jiu-jitsu who make money. Like I saw my friend my my friend Kainan George. Uh, he ended up like winning all these no gi tournaments, all these gi tournaments at cash prize, and he ended up winning. Uh, he ended up making some pretty good, decent money this this last year. But it's like yeah. that one percentage, per like person that like really makes that much like money and and into the sport. You know, that's why I feel that uh, the people that like make more money are the people that like open up gyms or just like you said, the people that have DVDs. Uh, books, seminars, you know, things like that. And that's yeah. like what I'm, that's yeah. like kind of what I'm doing on my own, like my own like spare time is like, I'm working on like other, other uh, platforms that I can like be doing that. So I can always just train for forever, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I, I saw your, um, you've got a business card posted up on one of your, on one of your Instagram posts and you've got a, it's a picture of your business card and it said dating slash life coach and athlete. And I thought that was, uh, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so basically, uh, um, I like on, on my on my spare time, I, you know, it, it all it all started when I was hurt again, like when I was when I broke my leg, I, I realized that this is all I put my, like my, my heart and soul to, right? This is my, my, my whole life work basically was in jiu-jitsu and when I got hurt and I wasn't able to do it uh I, it creating and I started to create ideas you know Nick Tesla he said be alone the secret to invention that is a secret to inventing any as humans we're like humans that are that are social that we w always want to be interacting with people we're always talking with people yeah I think when you're walking around all the signal breaks up yeah can you you know so what I heard you say was um, you said okay. Nikolai Tesla had, had a quote of "Be alone." Yeah, one of the yeah. Basically, basically, Nikola Tesla says, "Be alone." That is a secret to invention. When yeah. when I was able to be when I was forced in isolation, that's when I was that's when I was able to like be by myself and stuff. You know, hold on a second, yeah. bro. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on one sec. Yeah, no problem. Hey, yo, sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry, so back, so no, it's, I live, I live with a lot of guys, man, like, this jiu-jitsu lifestyle, it forces you to, like, live with, like, four or five other guys in, like, a small apartment, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, they're, like, one of my, one of my roommates is giving another haircut and stuff, so, really, you know, but not, yeah, but, uh, 
yeah, going going back, yeah, it just taught me like when I was forced in isolation, it, it just taught me to like really like speak to myself, really to talk to myself, listen to my own conversation within myself because I was always surrounded with my friends and stuff like that, you know. And when you're alone, it's it teaches you to really cherish your solitude and that's where I was able to find my other passions in life. I was able I really uh, they're, they're like the psychology. I was, I had a huge fascination on the human brain because I always wondered why some people can excel in training rooms. They're like so good in the training room and kill everybody. But then when it comes to a tournament, they can't perform. Like create a, create my own like business page and self. And I started helping my friends out. It all started with me helping my friends out. I started to join public speaking groups of like communication. And from there I started to talk to people and then, People were like, where's your business card? I, I really want you to help me out. Like, I just got divorced after like 25 years. And I was like, oh, shit, you know? And I realized that money does not buy happiness because all these guys that I was like helping out and like coaching, these guys were all, these guys were all very financially like independent and they were wealthy. But yet their love life was like completely destroyed and it's something that I wanted to help out. And it just, that's where, it, that's where it all began. And now, like I know where I know, like the path that I want to do because I want to become a motivational speaker later in my life. So <clears throat> that's why uh, I'm so glad that that happened to me. So you you you're already so you're using this to kind of obviously support support the lifestyle with the jujitsu. But you're all, already making a plan from from beyond the jujitsu career of what it is that you want to do. And that, guys, unfortunately, is going to be the end of the show with Pete. At least this show. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, we're going to try and do a follow-up and funnily enough, the way that ended up finishing or where the audio cut out maybe has left it as a bit of a cliffhanger. So maybe this is the very first cliffhanger podcast, I don't know. But uh really appreciate you, uh, if you've listened all the way through, the patience on this one. Um, it was a bit of a rough ride because of all the technical difficulties. Very, very sorry because I think Pete was a fantastic guest and hopefully he's going to be a future guest. Um, so... We're gonna we'll we'll make that happen and get a follow up on a lot of this stuff. With that though, guys, again, thank you for listening, and we'll we'll speak to you soon.